time. Everything takes time. It takes time to get good at doing something. It takes time to build the experience uh, that you need to convince people to lie to do something. It takes time to learn valuable lessons. It takes time to fall in love. It takes time to uh, get your heart broken. And then it takes time to get over having your heart broken. Um, when you're younger, uh, time is that irritating thing that older people tell you about, right? When you spend more time doing this, you'll learn some lessons. It's the last thing I wanted to fucking hear. It'll take you some time before uh, anybody's going to trust you to do this thing. Well, why not? I'm trustworthy. I, I know what I'm doing. It's going to take you some time to actually have a story worth telling. Well, how do you know that what I want to talk about now isn't worth telling, right? I was always very defensive when I was younger. I was a very defensive fucking little fuck. <laughs> Honestly, you know, what do you mean? I don't know what I'm talking about. What do you mean? And then that defensiveness and that frustration is what fueled me. Um, and this is something that uh, I've learned pretty recently that uh, my motivation the uh, the the bits of my brain that uh, come to life with electricity and, and chemical that sort of explosion that happens through these deep rooted canals in my brain have always been built on some form of frustration and anger and I work really well with that and I didn't it didn't really occur to me um, until, you know, obviously I've been, you know, in therapy and sort of taking therapy and going through that process. Notice how when I say that, I my body posture changes as I admit that to you. Weird. Um, but yeah, uh, it turns out that that's the thing. And, and, and as I look back on it, I, I see it. Like uh, Gina might come to me and say, hey, I've got this edit project that I need you to do. And I'll go, all right, let's fucking, let's get this fucking thing. You know what I mean? Like that, that has always been the juice. Like, we need to figure out this script change. This idea is not right. All right, let's tackle. All right, let's get on this thing. And why the fuck doesn't this work? And, and so then what I would do is sort of juice myself up and it starts to like, you know, fire those synapses. And I start to see things and I start to put pieces together and I start to, to make it happen. Um, it's fascinating now that I'm sort of looking at this and going, all right, is there spill-off? And there has been spill-off. Like, if you're someone that knows me, you know that I'm incredibly passionate. And uh, that passion is fueled by, oftentimes, frustration. That passion is fueled by this. And uh, it's very hard for me to contain it, oftentimes. And as I start to talk about something passionately, I end up going down a, on a tangent, which you guys have heard on the show quite often. Um, and it's because those synapses are going, right? It's because those pistons are firing. And suddenly, like... What was a roadblock or what was haze is suddenly cleared. But it's messy, right? I've got some leaks on my fucking on my uh on my piston heads or on my uh on my headers, right? I've got some leaks in the exhaust. And I've seen the effects of these leaks. I've seen how people uh, when I was younger as a director, I was often uh I would have uh crew members say that I was intimidating. 
and they felt like it was intimidating to be around me. Um, and I always thought like, well, why is that because I'm confident? Is that the confidence on it? I don't know if that's the case. I think it's the spill from where I was finding my creative energy. Um, and this is something that's very new for me. Like I'm really sort of understanding this and I, I'm coming to this point in my life because I'm just a, I'm a little bit tired of the residuals of it. I'm, I'm tired of the ectoplasm that is left, you know, in the books. I feel like Venkman. It's just sort of going there and trying to get it off my fingers as I walk out of that room. Like, yeah. And I'm trying to, to fuel my creativity in other ways. Just because um, it's a whole new place right now. It's a whole new world right now. And we're trying to process all this stuff and it's okay. It's weird. It's okay that I'm talking to you guys about this. It's so strange to me, right? I've, 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 I, the John McClane in me is like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> Make fists with your toes in the carpet, suck it up, you're good to go, right? And that's that's our life. That's what we've been doing for so long. Um, and in this discovery and in this sort of research, because I look at this the same way as uh, the research that I was doing on directing actors or the research that I was doing on lighting or the researching that I've been doing on editing or any on food, on techniques, on cutting and slicing. All those things, it's the same thing for me. It's this new research that I'm doing on human interaction and on how one person and what they do, how that affects the five people that are standing around them and then how that affects the 10 people that are standing around them. It's interesting. And from a storytelling standpoint, it's fascinating because that's what we write about. That's what we create. It's all about response. Acting is listening. Acting is reacting. Correct? So, interesting stuff. In today's episode, I'm excited because I've got an old bud on the show, a guy that I have known for years, a guy who has directed pieces that I've respected. Uh, he has done work that is inspiring. He has done beautiful work. Um, I've actually hired him to work for me. He actually worked as a copywriter on uh, the Dale Strong pieces, like the Some People Settle pieces that you guys have seen. Um, today's guest wrote all the copy for that. Um, he's an incredibly talented dude, uh, a great director, a great editor. He's got great insight and really good experience. And my initial uh, purpose was to get him on the show to talk about his new stuff. He just created a brand new proof of concept called Creep Box. I have been fortunate enough to see it. I have seen the proof of concept, um, but uh, unfortunately you're not gonna be able to see it until July. It's being released on Alter in July. I think he was like July 11th or 12th or 10th. I'll let you guys know when it comes out. Um, but uh, yeah, he made a really great piece with that and he made a, a phenomenal short called Embers and Dust. Um, which uh, basically samples my favorite radio broadcast ever, which is the original War of the Worlds, the H.G. Wells uh, radio broadcast. Fucking amazing. Um, and so it, that short film is like a Spielbergian sort of warm blanket, beautifully shot by David Cruda. Um, so you'll be able to check that out. Links will be in my bio for his website that has all this stuff on there. Um, I'm talking today with my buddy, 
uh, Patrick Beesman. Now, Patrick uh, has been, like I said, directing, writing, uh, editing, shooting. He's he's a guy that came up very similar to the way I did. He wanted to cut his teeth as a commercial director and then slowly moved his way into uh, being confident to write his own material. Um, and we're going to get into it on the show. We're going to talk about the process that it takes to get to a point where you're making something as great as Creepbox is and how all these experiences that he's been through, I talk about the experiences that I'm going through right now, um, and we really shine a light on the inside of us, shine a light on the place that all of you as storytellers, all of you as, as, as songwriters, all of you as artists, we're all confronting the inside of us. We're all confronting our insecurities. We're all confronting love. We're all confronting fear. Everybody is loaded with fucking fear these days and anxiety. We're all confronting that. And if you got your brain on straight, if you, if you, I want to try to help you get there with us and understand that tapping into that, expelling that into your work is what creates that style that everybody's asking me for, is what creates that bit of the script that makes it better than the last one you wrote. You know? You ever read someone's script? You have a friend that writes a script or a story and they send it to you and go, hey, will you read this? And it just feels dead. It just feels surface value. It's because that person, most likely, it's because that person hasn't opened their heart and hasn't spilled it out on the page. And so we're going to really get into that on the show today. A little existential, very much emotional. Um, So strap yourselves in because it's it's fun. It's a good ride um, and it's a natural ride. It goes off on its own and we uh, get on the rails with it. Very similar to to the Cole uh, rail uh, fight chase scene in in, uh, Temple of Doom. We kind of go on the fucking rails. As they're following behind us, shooting us, and we're using the shovel to swap tracks, you know? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, before we get into that, I just want to welcome you. If you haven't guessed already, you are listening to my podcast. My name is Mike Petchy. I host a show called In Love With The Process, and you are listening to it. Um, welcome. Come hang out. This is a safe place. This is a place that you can come in and sit down and grab a beer. Maybe some snacks. I have to lay off the snacks these days, but we'll throw some snacks out. What do you guys want? You know, what do we got in the fridge right now? We'll make you something. Uh, How are you? You know, before our guest gets here, how are you doing? I've been talking to a lot of you on Instagram. You've been following me at Mike Petchy on Instagram. You've been following the podcast in love with the process pod on Instagram. I've had some really great conversations with a lot of you new listeners. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for telling your friends about us because the numbers are showing it, you know, and, uh, you know, everybody's talking about how this is their favorite show right now. I love you guys for it. Thank you, man. All I try to do on this show is be honest and talk to you guys about the honest shit that I'm going through and about what this business is really fucking like without any bullshit. I'm not selling you anything, you know, it's just hanging out and uh, it's doing okay. Because of your support, because of the people listening to the show, I've got two new sponsors. And those sponsors help pay for the show. 
They keep me employed. Uh, and then it doesn't cost you a fucking dime. So when we get to the ad reads, please hang out. I'll make sure they aren't boring. We'll talk about a bunch of different stuff. But also click on the links embedded in our episode because a lot of that stuff is trackable links. You'll go there. You'll see some fun stuff. And you'll keep me fucking going. You'll keep this show going. Oh, man, I love you guys. Um, uh, let's see, a little bit more homework. Oh, yes. I'm pulling it up on my phone right now because I should have had it up. Um, Alex Rodriguez, did you guys listen to the Alex Rodriguez episode? I'm going to pull it up right now and see if I can get you a number because I know a lot of you guys. I'm going to inlovewiththeprocess.com, by the way, to do this. And clicking on the music section, scrolling down, episode 123, bringing people together with music with guest Alex Rodriguez. He comes on the show. He talks about vinyl. Him and I go into a deep love of vinyl, uh, our passion for vinyl. Um, And uh, on that show, this came out uh, almost last year, uh, we talked about his documentary, Record Safari. And I talked about the fact that I had only seen it on DVD. He sent me a promo DVD and that it wasn't out and it didn't have distro. Here's the great news. Record Safari is now out on YouTube. All right. So I'm making a note right now. Record Safari link. Hold on. Record Safari link. I'm going to put it in the description of today's episode. Um, and I'll put a link for the podcast. I'm making notes. Podcast link as well. Listen to it again. Go back, check out the Alex Safari episode, and then watch Record Safari. Or watch that first and then listen to it. I think it's going to blow your mind open a bit. I think you'll start to see things exciting about vinyls. I think you'll start to find some interesting characters. These people that love vinyls, buy vinyls, and shop for them, and put them together. It's a great doc. Great soundtrack, by the way. Um, And I'm so happy. Uh, that I was able to get vinyls in my life. It really opened music up to me again. It really made that experience a human experience for me. So excited. Record Safari on YouTube. Alex Rodriguez, the shit. I will put all that stuff in the description of today's episode. All right. Without further ado, coming close, right? Grab your beer, getting close. We're going to talk quietly. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna open our hearts to each other. Why did I laugh at that? But it's true. We're gonna open our hearts up. All right. I'm gonna let you guys in on the shit that you really need to know about before you get into this business. If you're listening to the show because you want to be in the filmmaking business, it's a good episode for you. If you're listening to the show because you're just trying to be a better person, if you're just trying to find that artistic avenue that you're gonna take. And uh, you're just curious, like, how do I get started? What should I focus on? We're going to give you a lot of the good stuff here. And sometimes you're going to hear us and we're going to get melancholy. Sometimes we're going to get frustrated. Sometimes it may even sound like we're a bit bitter about what's happening. Just ride through it with us. Because by the end, I think you're going to find the little nuggets because I find them and uh, Patrick finds them. And as we have this conversation, it, it happens as organically as writing a script should happen where we start an idea we put down something that sounds really interesting i started the whole episode because i knew he'd be a great guy to talk to but as we write this in real time through talking to each other we find what it is that we really want to talk about 
and I think you guys will like it. So strap yourselves in. Put on those noise-canceling headphones. They've already got them on, Michael. And crank them up to 11. Sit back, relax, and go zen with us on the brand new episode of A Love of the Process. Thanks for joining me on the show. How are you, dude? I am good, man. I I am, uh, uh, you know, just uh, just ready to get into it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, good, man. Like, uh, just to give you a little uh, backstory on me this morning, I I went to do my normal bike ride, and I only got like one lap in. I'm like fucking exhausted today. I don't know what's going on. Um, but uh, I'm pumped to be talking to you, so I'm ready. I'm re- give me your energy, bro. <laughs> yeah, well, no, you know it's crazy because uh, you know, let's, yeah, let's get into the workout routine, right? Um, <laughs> usually, usually I, I do, you know, I wake up and I do like a good mile, mile and a half, you know, nice little run. Mm-hmm. But uh, for for some reason last night, I'm like, you know what? I'm just I'm just gonna do it too much at, at dinner. I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna have one too many drinks, <laughs> and uh, I actually just my whole my whole fucking day has just been derailed. <laughs> but I, whatever, for whatever reason, I had like that little burst of energy knowing that I was going to talk to you. I'm like, okay, that's what I'm going to bring. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. No, well, I mean, dude, it happens with me all the time because I'm usually either doing this show and hanging out with people or just generally hanging out with people and they're all like, okay, let's go get beers, man. Let's go get like sausages and ribs and shit. And so like Tuesday, like yeah. if I do that on a Tuesday, I'm like, dude, you fucked up my whole week. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, especially, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a dad now, uh-huh. which is, you know, kind of fun to say out loud, but yeah, you know, I'm a dad now and you know, it's, it's, you kind of fall into this routine of like, this is, this is how the day is going to go. And this is the kind of energy I'm going to have by this point and blah, blah, blah. And you kind of pace yourself throughout your day now. And, and just for some reason last night, I was like, 
you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to press the gas a little bit. Uh, <laughs> well, good, man. You and, it, to and it totally ruined the next day. But uh, again, here I am. I'm, I'm bright eyed and bushy tailed at uh, uh, two in the afternoon now. So I'm good to go. <laughs> oh, good. Well, you know, you get my blood pumping. So that's good. That's good. Um, <laughs> where, where are you? Are you in New York? I don't know if we've ever. I am. I'm, I'm in New York. I, I moved out of the city some time ago um, okay. before the, uh, you know, sort of mass exodus brought upon by the uh, pandemic. <laughs> so my wife and I are already like, all right, how do we live in the woods? How do we do that? Uh, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, we're up in the Hudson Valley and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful up here. It's a, it's a nice, nice juxtaposition of uh, the last, you know, decade of, of living in Manhattan. Yeah. In Brooklyn, and yeah, you know, you you uh, you moved out west, yes, not long ago, right? Yeah, no, uh, you know, speaking of the pandy, as we call it, uh, yeah, I yeah. moved out here four months before the pandemic, five months before the pandemic, and then, um, you know, just sort of got our feet on the ground, me and Gina, and then, um, and then we went into lockdown. Which was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you got like you know, uh, nice ten minutes of yeah, you know, yeah. witnessing some of those uh, California wildfires, and then uh, and then you got stuck in your house. Yeah, oh, oh, dude, yeah, and the wildfires were quite the thing. It was, uh, it's weird because I, <clears throat> you know, I grew up as a as like a little asthmatic kid. I was allergic to cats and dogs, and I had allergies, but my body sort of had figured it out after like 30 something years back on the East coast where it was like, all right, dude, just don't go near dogs and shit and uh, you'll be good to go. And we moved here and it was like, fuck. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> Immediately. It was like, Oh, yeah. we got to paper tape the windows. Cause it was like, oh, man, that first year, the fires out here was so intense. Like it was wild. You go outside and it's like a uh, fucking Blade Runner. You know, the, the sky is orange and yeah. there's fucking ash. I mean, it, it, it's funny because I, you know, I, I, uh, I grew up out that way. Mm -hmm. um, I, I grew up in Northern California. We don't have as many fires, um, but it happens. Um, but it's only you know, in these years that I've been gone is uh, yeah. a couple, almost two decades now. But like, it's intense, man. The photos I see, it is what you said. It's like, it looks like Blade Runner out there. Dude, it's, um, it's crazy, man. We just, I just drove up with the family up Route 1. So we went up to like uh, Carmel by the Sea, which is right under Monterey. Yeah. Um, and I love Route 1. But as we're driving up this specific section that I really hadn't been down, I was looking at the trees. I'm like, it's like a fucking Tim Burton movie because they were these really black roots and then uh, all these sprouts on them. And I go, Oh wait, that was, that was the whole fucking cliff face that was on fire like two years ago. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it, it's, it's funny you, you mentioned that because there's, there's sort of a, a, yeah, I call them like the fog city filmmakers. There's definitely an aesthetic that you grow up with on the, you know, on the coastline of Northern California, especially yeah. it's like the fog, the redwood trees, the, you know, the, the beaches, the cliff sides, things like that. You, you do see it kind of play out in some of the, the folks that, you know, are, you know, filmmakers from there. I mean, even you look at Clint Eastwood's films, they, yeah. they sort of have an aesthetic that's a little dark and kind of dreary for the most part, very atmospheric. Yeah. I think that comes from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would definitely say that I, you know, regardless of whatever it is that I'm, I'm directing a little bit of that always bleeds in. Yeah, you could see it. I could totally see it. I could see it at Embers, the the short that you did. And I could totally see. Oh it. yeah, yeah. It's funny because that's supposed to be a completely like 
sort of East Coast vibe. And it's like, it's not still there. The West Coast is still bleeding in. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because we've kind of swapped. I'm out here still doing East Coast stuff. Anytime someone comes and hangs out, they're like, I feel like we're back in Boston. I go, yeah, it's because you're hanging out with us. That's basically the yeah. purpose. Does that, does that mean you're like just getting shit done like immediately and everybody else is sort of faltering? Yeah. Because that, that's sort of, yeah. sort of the feeling. I, I, think, I, think, uh, I think more than anything, it's more me complaining that shit's not getting done fast enough and bucking against the system and people going like, whoa, 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 you need to chill the fuck out, bro. And I'm like, oh, whoa, wait, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah it turns out that it's, it's – Usually, in my case, I'm like, oh, I'm the one being extra. All right, I get it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. A little, little too caffeinated for that conversation, I suppose. Yep. Well, this is weird. It's weird that we're going down this tangent. We'll, we'll totally get into your films and stuff. But yeah, this was something that I, I've, I've talked about it on the show prior. But since moving out here and since going through the industry and all the craziness of the industry and like, uh, you know, the bipolar rejections and the hot super highs and super lows um gina was like dude you should probably start talking to a therapist just to make sure that you can like dump out a lot of this shit and i was like okay fine um and you know being the east coaster i'm just sort of like i don't talk to people <laughs> you know so, so i was like all right all right cool we can do this and it's, it's been great she's really cool um but uh wow, was it last week we started to talk and and i i came to realize it was like dude all of my motivation has always been built on either frustration or anger. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, no, think about it. And I was like, holy fuck. I get jacked up. I get juiced up with like um, being irritated. And I'm like, oh my God, that's where I write well. That's where I create yeah. well. It's all through this sort of irritation and stuff. And yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, uh, not to keep you, you know, further agitated for for days on end, but like, don't get rid of it. You know, I, I mean, honestly, I I do find that like, I don't know, this this may end up becoming a longer tangent than I want it to be, sure. but you know, like most of most good art comes from a place of anxiety. It comes from a place of frustration. It comes from a place of insecurity, and I think it's healthy to kind of you know work through those things. Um, through art, especially, yeah, you know, yeah. um, and understand that that's sort of what they're for. Because if we all like kind of all live these uh, easy peasy lives and you know kind of coasted along, I, I just don't think we would you know make anything that was all that biting or gripping. Yeah, uh, of course I say that now, and I, from what I understand is you, know, you watch something like a, a Hayao Miyazaki film, or, you know, <laughs> it's like uh, Spirit Away or you know any one of his films, Ponyo. Um, and they're just these tranquil experiences and then, you know, cut to Miyazaki at his desk and he's just like the you know biggest curmudgeon there is. <laughs> so there, you know, there's like, there's, I think there's a balance to it. Yeah. You know? Um, it's necessary, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's feeling that way. Cause it's been this weird sort of, uh, search cause we, I, we've had nothing but time, you know? So like, it's been this weird sort of search into like, all right, what is the good shit that comes from it? What is the bad shit that comes from it? Is there a way to sort of harness them both? Is there a way to sort of trigger it when it's needed? It's wild, man. It's this wild. Yeah. You certainly don't want to walk around with it like a, oh, like a, a costume. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like I think, I don't know if it, if it's a, a previous generation's kind of deal or, or, you know, of filmmakers of artists and musicians in general, where they kind of wear 
they wear their persona like yes. 365 days out of the year. Yes. Like I don't I don't know that you need to do that. Um, you know, I think if you're you're hyper focused and if you're a showman, of course, yeah, do it on stage. But I don't think you need to you know walk around your apartment or house mm-hmm. you know still wearing your your costume. I think if anything, it's like it just kind of works against the art. Right. Yeah. You know, kind of, kind of, it kind of dumbs it down a little bit or, or it removes some of its potency. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we all got to be a little bit, you know, like Bruce Banner and the Hulk and call. Yeah. All right. I'm going to like, I'm going to pull in all this darkness or all this anxiety so that I can get it on the page or get it on the screen. Yeah. And then, you know, let it go and, you know, enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And it's weird. Cause I find that, uh, that stuff is incredibly needed for motivating other fucking people to do shit. So like, there's this sense of like, all right, let's get our shit together. And you have to be really focused and you have to be really sort of driven to inspire folks to work with you, inspire folks to be a part of the stuff. Um, but then also to a certain extent, just to get through the passive aggressive long process that is like getting something made and getting something approved where you, you know, if you're too chill, man, then the next thing you know, you're like, well, where the fuck did that go? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's a easy if you just go passive just to get kind of, you know, passed over or, yeah. or people kind of forget about you, I think. Um, but I mean, in general, I mean. I sound monotone now. I'm like doing my best Tyler Durden impression. Um, but like, you you know this from being on set. That, yeah. that energy, it has to sustain. Yeah. Because you're, you're not just doing it for yourself. You're doing it for an entire crew and you're doing it for the talent. You're, I mean, if you start, if your battery starts, you know, tanking, yeah. then you can feel it on set. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I yeah, I definitely uh, appreciate the high energy, but it's like the the sustained energy is even. I think that's even more challenging, and I think that's one they, you know, if you've been through any kind of like trial by fire course of of filmmaking, yep. you it's not something you you're really taught. You you kind of have to know when to throttle it on your own. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And that, that go, I think that goes for onset and offset, like waiting for things, waiting for approvals, waiting to hear any kind of news on anything that you're working on or that you hope to be working on. Like being able to sustain is hugely instrumental in, I think, building a career in this field. Yeah. Because yeah. If, if, if you just like let everything, you know, uh, sort of knock you over and you know sway you from your decisions and then you know you can get frustrated and bow out pretty quickly i think yeah no it's 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 fascinating i was saying this to someone the other day you know the mantra that i have had for myself for years but also the mantra that i hear from anybody everybody that i've ever talked to anybody that we've ever interviewed um is always like it's all about uh just staying staying with it uh, like yeah. just consistency and just staying with it and, and riding it out. And it's so interesting because, you know, I've been doing this shit for 20 something years at this point. So y- there hits a point where uh, I would say almost arrogantly where I was like, Oh dude, I've, I've read out, t- I've written out some of the toughest shit. Like no big deal. Like just ride it out. It just, it gets, it gets rough for a little bit. You ride it out. Then you get to the next part and it gets rough a little bit and you ride it out. And then you start to 
as you get older, you start to formulate these rhythms and you're like, oh, okay, well, it's just going to get shitty right now because we didn't do our homework or this didn't happen. Okay. Good to go. This business, this business finds a way to be incredibly sadistic and creative on how it fucks with you. <laughs> so oh, yeah. just when yeah, you think yeah, you've yeah. got I, your you head can, wrapped I, around I, it. <laughs> I don't think you can talk to many people in other fields and sort of have a, a shared experience. You know what I mean? Because, you know, it's, there's, there's no rhyme or reason sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, especially when you're, you're working on, you know, uh, teams, you know, any kind of creative team. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just you siloed by yourself at your keyboard and tapping away at, you know, at a script or something like that. Cause that's, I think that's, you know, that's one of the nicest, purest forms of this field is like, you know, it, it, developing the idea from, from scratch. It's just you and a piece of paper. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then the more voices you start to involve in the process and the more people you have to get involved, you just don't know what's going to be thrown at you or not thrown at you or just come, you know, everything falls on deaf ears or everyone's excited about something and it ultimately goes nowhere. I mean, it's just, it's yeah, yeah, it it could be maddening, you know, for sure. So again, that sustained sort of energy of going, okay, just just keep going. You know, and again, I'm a dad and I'm getting older. So like (laughs) this, this starch in me is just, you know, it's, it's, it's gone out the window some, some time ago. Um, just, I just save all the energy from I'm actually doing things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how'd you, how'd you get started? Was it, was it writing initially for you? Was it, was it directing? Like, how'd you, uh, yeah, oddly enough, writing was not even, I, didn't even that wasn't something i said at 16 like i want to be a writer Mm. you know i i thought it's one of the most intimidating things i think to sort of start out in um you know you look at that blank page and it could just drive you nuts um so i you know i was like oh i'll I'll direct i'll direct other people's stuff Mm -hmm. um and it kind of went from you know doing fashion films and such, just almost like elevated music videos, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you kind of learn your style by making mistakes, and it's a little more forgiving. Is that what you did? Um, is that what you did for Condé Nast? Is that what you were doing for those guys? Uh, no, uh, there I was. It was a that was an interesting time because it was like early on in their their Condé Nast entertainment uh, department, um, mm-hmm. and it was like post-producing so i was editing and then you know we would buy up footage from other filmmakers and and turn it into into something Mm. you know um but um but that i wasn't i wasn't doing that for very long that was um the fashion films and stuff that was more uh this little company um in new york called Stylecaster, um and uh you know we would basically turn editorial spreads into some sort of video content, you know, and, and that was really, you know, that's where I met a lot of the people I ended up working with on things like, uh, my Charles Bukowski's Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I did a feature with some of those folks. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it, it was a, it was a nice way in. Cause before that actually, um, I was, you know, kind of trying to get my feet wet in commercial directing. Yeah. And I had kind of uh, segued uh, uh, an editing job at, at Sony um, into doing, you know, some – before there was a, anything considered content yet, I did this um, 
campaign for a video game called Killzone. Hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, I, I doubt anybody's ever seen any of them, to be honest, because we didn't know what to do with them yet. I think they put them on the PlayStation Network for like a you know, a month or something like that. <laughs> um, and I was like, this is cool. Um, but it really, all of it was just the big ripoff of like those really big halo campaigns that I, you know, that that were really popular right, at the time, you know, right, 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 those, right. those huge cinematic, really beautiful halo campaigns. So I was like, well, I'll just, I'll just copy that. That's <laughs> <laughs> with no, with no budget. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll do things like that. So writing was never really, you know, up until very recently, writing was something I was, I, I just kind of avoided at all costs because I just, I didn't think I'd be a, a, any good at it. Yeah. Um, you know, but then you go on a little long enough and, and you start to realize a few things. And I realized that I was kind of like, I don't, I don't want to say wasting my talent because um, that makes me sound a little egotistical. Um, no, but no. I, I did feel like I was wasting my efforts on other people's words at some point. Oh, um, fascinating. Fascinating. So, yeah. so <clears throat> were you, were you just insecure about your writing skills? Is that why you uh, didn't start? With that yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, uh, public school education, yeah. uh, wasn't really into, you know, deeply into, uh, the classics. So I didn't know what was really a good story or not. <laughs> um, and I think that all, you know, once you latch onto something, yeah, you kind of, it, it just snowballs from there. Right. And I found as a, you know, I, I had enough influences in my life to kind of point me in some directions. And, you know, you start looking at, you know, Vonnegut or Sam Shepard stuff or, right. you know, um, anything Mike Nichols directed or, you know, worked with like Elaine May. And, and then from there on, you're like, okay, this, this is the kind of stuff that I'm really getting into. And you can just kind of stack it and stack it and stack it. And, you know, you, you just got to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So you write a write a, you know, short film or, uh, you know, uh, write a spec script for a feature film and just, you know, pass it around to friends, you mm -hmm. know, colleagues, uh, contemporaries and see if you're any good at it. It's like, I'm not saying it's the bravest thing I've ever done, but it's definitely the smartest thing I've ever done because it's only now that I decided to do that, you know, in these past five years that actually seems like my career as a filmmaker is actually formulating everything else before this was sort of a, um, you know, it was, is warm up. It was the, yeah, no, I know that. The, I know that vibe. I know that vibe completely. It, it, it's weird because yeah. you and I are very similar with that stuff. And I've always said, um, that I'm not a writer and that the few things that I've written, I've written out of necessity, um, because I, you know, I didn't know a writer at that point. And so, um, and even now I think it's still detrimental. Like I just had a conversation with my agent the other day and he was just like, it hurts that you're not a writer director. And I'm like, what do you mean? I've got, I've got a writer and I've got all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, you know, and it, and then there's like the cynical piece of me. I'm like, well, it's because they can get, they can get them cheaper. Right. And that's the deal. And he's like, yeah, kind of. So it's like, Oh fuck. <laughs> so yeah, well, there's definitely, I mean, I, I can understand that bit, but I mean, do you ever, it, it kind of goes back to that, like, you know, using your, the, the anxiety and, and the, anxiousness or insecurities um you know sort of harnessing that I, I feel like i would just drive another writer mad 
trying to give them ideas. So from what I understand, <laughs> you're, you're pretty good at conveying good ideas yes. to yes. good writers. Yes. And, and that's a, I mean, that's a huge skill too. That's, that's a, a huge asset to have because I'm fucking terrible at it. Oh. I would probably just like drive another writer up the wall by trying to, you know, break any kind of what you would call like normal structure in a script. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's, it's a weird thing. Like, um, I, I spent a lot of time. It it seems like so fucking long ago because of COVID and everything, but I spent such a long time, uh, learning how to communicate because there hit this weird point and this is not new information for those listening to the show, but there hit this weird point when I, it light dawned on marble fucking head and it was like, holy shit, this is an incredibly social job. Like this is mm-hmm. probably the most social gig that you can do um, because I'm, I'm dealing with so many people and I, I saw the results of me doing things selfishly. And I saw the results of me doing things reactively and seeing like how it affects not only the film or the project or the video or whatever, but it also affects the human relationships that you're having with these people. And um, so I was hyper fucking focused on uh, communication and understanding how to communicate with people, understanding how to keep people fascinated in a conversation, how to keep people interested with ideas. Um, And that sort of skill set not only translated from being a, a director and a cinematographer and all that stuff for a while, but it also plays in when you're working with a writer. Um, and I think that uh, without going too deep into it, I think that the most important aspect of it is being incredibly humble and just going like, this is the dumbest thing I'm going to say to you. But uh, <laughs> yeah. maybe there's something in there that you can mine out of this. So here comes a bunch of shit. I'm going to literally shit out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think you, you nailed it on the head. It's like, it, it comes from a place of humility. I, I, I think more filmmakers get into this, into this field or the, the more storytellers that get into this field that understand the aspect of uh, the important aspect of humility. Yeah. I, I think it'd, it'd be a friendlier place. Um, in general, yeah. you know, because yeah. uh, no matter what, at the end of the day, filmmaking is this, just this one big collaborative effort. You know, you're everyone involved is essentially willing this thing into existence, mm-hmm. you know, and some, you know, not to get all woo woo, but like some projects just don't want to live, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's, and it's weird. It's almost like the filmmaking gods are like, nope, as promising as all this sounds and all the pieces are there it's not going to work. It's not, it's not, it's not going to happen. And maybe not now, maybe in 10 years, yeah. you, you have no idea. Right. Yep. And then, you know, something written on the back of a napkin turns out to end up being the idea that, that, uh, everyone latches onto, yeah. you know, but, but I think again, it comes from that place of, of being, you know, uh, humble. Yeah. Why you're working through the process. You know, it, it makes for better communication. I think it also makes a better sort of, uh, you know, uh, nurturing pot of soil for that idea to come out of. Right. Yeah. And it's weird. Um, cause I work with Will all the time. So Will Simmons, him and I were, are always doing stuff together and we, what we end up doing, we just did it the other day. Like he called me frustrated and and uh, he's like, we have to come up with something. And I was like, okay. And so then we start processing, um, you know, 
movies that we like or sort of things that we want to play in. And we come up pretty early on with like, and this happens, these conversations are usually like 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And we sort of set up like these parameters. We set up this fence and we're like, okay, hey, how about we do, I don't know, I'll just make something up. How about we do like a home invasion thing? And you're like, okay, cool. And then it's like a, like a five minute conversation on like, well, what do I like and what do I hate about home invasion movies? And so yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah. you go through that and you're back and forth. And sometimes uh, the thing that I'm passionate about triggers him. Sometimes the thing that he's passionate about, I'm like, well, I think you're wrong about that. And I think we should tr try to prove, prove you wrong about that. So then we sort of go back and forth on those deals. And then it develops into the next stage, which is like, um, all right, this could be cool. This could be fun. What do you, what if we do this? And I've all, I saw this character and then what I end up doing for him is I end up pulling in a bunch of shit that I've either, that I've either seen or that I've experienced. And you were talking about like breaking structures of scripts and stuff. I'm just the same way. I think it's the directors in this. And I, I think I know it pisses. <laughs> I know it pisses Will off sometimes because I'm like, can we not fucking do it that way? Can we not do it the way that everybody else is doing it? Like, what if we change this thing? And he, it oftentimes it's like a 10, 15 minute conversation that pulls me back in line. <laughs> where he's like, you know, yeah, it's funny. I mean, the more scripts you look at, um, you know, I, I, it, to go back to the, the idea of like getting into writing just you know reading a bunch of scripts and seeing how other people read them yeah. or write them yeah. is it's huge because you you're seeing what this sort of standard structure is right yep um and then if you've read enough of them you start to see the standouts the screenwriters that are like yeah you know this is a script quote unquote but it's really just like a blueprint to move forward yeah you know and that and that can go either way of being you know written almost like goddamn radio instructions all the way to being written like some sort of you know like an actual literary piece of work yeah. You know, I don't know if you ever read like a Christopher Nolan script, you're like, this is just a book. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, like there's no screen direction. There's no, no, they're like, this is just a book, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is enjoyable too. But like, you know, it, I think it's a pretty, I, 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 I'm sure people will jump on me for this, but it's a pretty loose format. I think, unless you are like adhering to the, the rules of screenwriting, it's, it's pretty malleable. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, because then you go back and you read uh, what's his name scripts for uh, Last Boy Scout or fucking uh, Lethal Weapon and how he's mm -hmm. um, yeah. jumping the line and speaking to the reader. Um, yeah. th the weird thing that I've learned through the past, what, three years out here pitching and, and coming up with ideas and sending scripts and, and talking to producers and becoming friends with executives is that scripts, scripts and screenwriters are kind of like they're kind of like chefs in a restaurant where mm -hmm. they know that they're going to have a bunch of, I don't want to say anything insulting here. They, they, they know they're going to have a bunch of nine to fivers that are going to come in and sit down. So what are you going to put on your menu? You're going to put fucking Buffalo wings. You're going to put a cheeseburger. There's definitely going to be a steak on that menu, but then you're going to have the stuff that you're really proud of. So there might be some weird, even though now charcuterie is one of those things, but there might be some weird charcuterie thing on the appetizer menu. There might be some weird thing that you're doing with vegetables, but they're still putting together a menu that the nine to fiver will literally come in for. Cause if you're mm -hmm. someone that is, if you're someone that's like, 
doing a weird fucking pop-up with shit that no one has ever eaten before or a bit a part of, then <laughs> you might get the rando that's like, I'm feeling experimental today. I'm going to come in here. But most people are still coming off their job. It's like five o'clock at night. They had a whole yeah. fucking day full of shit. And they're like, yeah. what do you serve here? I want a fucking cheeseburger. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think the trick with a good screenplay writer is saying, hey, we sell cheeseburgers here. Come on in. And then while you're sitting there waiting for your order, he also goes, hey, by the way, this thing that I'm doing is weird. You want to try it? And they go, mm, yeah, yeah, all right. I'm getting a cheeseburger. What's the risk? All right, sure. I'll try that weird fucking thing. And then you well, get I, I, I think, not to interrupt you, but I mean, it's, it's a good segue. And, and by the way, thank you for bringing it to food yeah. again, as, <laughs> as you do. Um, but it... It is. Uh, it's almost genre specific, and I think uh, you can you can kind of see that playing out in the streaming wars right now. It's like here we're we're going to give you that you know said burger, but here's some here's some extra weird shit on the side. Yeah, you know, just yeah, yeah. let us know how you think uh, or, or or what you think about it. And um, I think honestly, I think that might be playing out in our favor a little bit because as long as we can wrap in you know whatever it is that we're trying to do into something that's you know, sought after or digestible, then, you know, then, then we're kind of given the room to play. Yeah. At least that's, that, that's what I'm finding to be true right now. You know, we um, can kind of like touch on this, but you know, this, this new thing that I uh, wrote and directed creep box. Yeah. It's great by the way. It's great. Thank, thank you, man. That means a lot coming from you. Okay, um, come on. Seriously. <laughs> I, I mean, well, this, you know, it's also my first, it's my first sort of venture into something as complex as this, you know, because before this is, you know, is embers from a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And honestly, embers plays out more like a postcard or, or snow globe, you know, it has substance, but it's right. sort of this ethereal right. floating meandering thing, you know? Right. Um, it, it turns out like one of my favorite scenes, uh, directing one of my when i was directing that one of my favorite bits of directing was with um with the the two actors uh in that father and son on the porch oh yeah um you know and the, the two of them together and 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 just working through that dynamic that ended up being my favorite part of of the experience everything else was amazing too but it's like just getting to work with the actors and and getting them to not only you know really feel the lines but mm -hmm. you know blocking and framing and you know um and all of that 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 turned out to be not something i'd planned for but something that i found that i was becoming a little addicted to mm. so in all my efforts in writing from there you know there on out it was more like that and it made me realize something about myself, and this is this is only something that I, I that happened recently. Is the films that I thought I was going to make or wanted to make weren't the films that I was good at making? Huh? Weird. What do you um, What do you mean by that? Well, you know, okay. So something like Embers, or if anybody else has seen the Charles Bukowski's Nirvana. Again, both of them are these kind of postcard snow globe experiences, and they're very ethereal, and they are definitely of a time and place. They're period pieces, and they feel very um, sort of earthy. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're you know the color palette palettes even kind of translate to that. Um, but like, that's what I thought I was going to do as feature films coming out of it. 
Mm-hmm. In fact, there for a while there, you know, people would ask, "Hey, is there a feature script of of Embers and Dust?" And I actually tried. You know, there was some prospects to actually getting that kind of film made, but like that, you know, as much as I tried, I just couldn't stand the script. I thought it was garbage because mm-hmm. it would never it was never intended to be more than this sort of little slice of life that the short film is. Sure. You know, that was always its intention. Sure. Um, so I got really caught up on like, I, yeah, I, I like writing things in the woods. I like, I like Westerns. I like period pieces. That's what I'm going to keep writing. Those are the kind of things that I'm going to keep doing. Uh, yeah. Um, and I got to admit, none of that shit flew. They, I mean, you haven't seen any of that, right? Cause it was never made. Um, but then, you know, I write this thing, I write creep box and it's very much at its core. It's not unlike, you know, a, a film like 12 angry men or, 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 um, mm-hmm. or network, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm of that caliber, no. but those are, those are films I thoroughly enjoy. I love those kind of films. Yeah. I just didn't think that was something that I could do or wanted to do even, you know? So here we are last December, we're doing the proof of concept for creep box and midway through, I'm just like, this is the greatest fucking thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Like not, not, it's not its quality. I'm not speaking to its quality. Again, don't want to sound like a, you know, an egotistical asshole, <laughs> but for me on a personal level, it felt right. right. Like it felt, it was enjoyable. The stress was, was minimal, yep. which was surprising. Like there, there are moments where I'm like, I'm not remotely stressed out. Is this shit going to even work now? Am, am I like, am I in a fog of elation that's going to bite me in the ass when I'm in post-production <laughs> and I'm gonna be like, Oh my God, it, everything's terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, no, it, it didn't end up being that way. So it made me go, all right, I'm onto something here. This, this is what I, I enjoy. I enjoy being in a conference room <laughs> out of the elements and just working the scene out working it out with every department and just nailing it, Yeah, you know, with the talent, with the crew. I mean, you know, you and I both worked with David Cruda, like I countless times at this point throughout the years. And that was just one of the easiest sets to be on with him is especially like we were, it's just a minimal camera package, minimal crew. Of course there were, you know, tenuous moments with all filmmaking, but like it felt, Right. Like it felt like something I could probably do the rest of my life and be very happy with. And in fact, write more of that so that I can facilitate that, that sort of addiction oh, to it. Well, you know? dude, I mean, that's a, that's a good uh, format to be obsessed with because that's most television right now. So <laughs> I think this is true. Yeah. yeah. Oh I think my it's God. A, I'm like, you know, watching format. things like better call Saul oh, and, yeah, you know, and, and, and just like drinking it up, yeah. you know, yeah, and, yeah. and, I don't know. It's, 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 I guess my point being is that I thought I was going to be one kind of filmmaker and it took Mm -hmm. several outings before I realized that I wasn't that filmmaker and that I was another kind of filmmaker. And, you know, there's, if you go to any art school, I think in that first freshman year of art school, Mm -hmm. or if you're just getting into your craft, there's sort of a desire 
to have fully in some ways branded yourself. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I'm this kind of guy, I'm this kind of writer, I'm this kind of musician, I'm this kind of filmmaker, I'm this kind of actor. I'm, you know, and you, and I think it's a natural thing because you're, you're more than likely emulating someone else. Yes. Especially at that point. Especially at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's very few like fully formulated artists out the gate. You know, they have to come from somewhere else. They have to be inspired by somewhere else. So you hold on to it for I think a long time. And I think what I did was I I held on to it too long. Mm. You know, Um, and I'm not saying that like I'm not happy with where I'm at. I'm it's just part of the process, right? Mm -hmm. Is to figure out who you are as a as as an artist, as a as a filmmaker, as a storyteller. It just takes doing it. All right, let's take a second here and let's get into our sponsor stuff. I'm not even going to call them sponsor reads because most of this stuff, I'm just talking to you about it. (laughs) Half of them, I don't even have an ad read. I don't know if you guys noticed this. I've been doing ad reads for Puget. They've never sent me copy. I am genuinely talking off the top of my head. I don't have anything written down in front of me when I talk about Puget Systems. And Puget Systems is my favorite they are my favorite dudes. I love them. They have supported the show since the beginning. Um, and uh, I was so happy to find them because I was so frustrated with computers. It really was. Anger fueling me again. So frustrated with them. And uh, I was like, fuck you, uh, fuck you, Apple. Seriously. You turn our, your, your back on us. You change uh, the software that you're going to use, which renders all my old timelines useless. This was years ago. Fuck you. And how much does it cost? And I'm always going to be in debt. No, fuck you. I want a system that I build. I want a system that works for me. I want a computer that's going to do what I need it to do. And not a computer that tells me how to live my life. Not a computer that comes in a shiny little box that's going to end up in a landfill somewhere. I want a machine that is specifically built smartly for what I need. And that's how I found Puget Systems. And I found it at a time where I was running a post-production studio. I had a small post-production place in Boston. We had two running edit bays consistently. We had to have two machines that were working fast, consistent, dealing with multiple formats, dealing with multi-cam shoots, also dealing with the fact that I had to send my footage out to other freelancers, other subcontractors. I had to send it out to uh, Company 3 for color grading. I had to send it out to a sound mix place. I had to be able to send it to other operating systems. And I found that with Puget and building a computer uh, and doing the research on a PC, I was able to write Mac files. I was able to read Mac files. I was able to work uh, faster in Adobe and all these different projects uh, or uh, programs rather. Um, And it was uplifting. It was there was a sense of freedom that I had getting out from underneath the corporate machine. Uh, it's so fucking ironic that Apple did that 1984 commercial where they run in and they throw the hammer in there, right? It's ironic because that's who they became. Anyway, that's me trashing them. I shouldn't be. Um, <clears throat> but head on over to Puget Systems. If you want to build a brand new PC, because I think you should, and you want to have a machine that works for you, and if you're a company that is a post-production company, Puget Systems is uh, working with a lot of post-production places, a lot of larger companies. They're building machines on bigger scales, 
Um, check it all out. Head on over to PugetSystems.com. Look at the systems they have. Look at all the benchmark testing that they do. If you're someone that's just building your own computer and you need to do some research, these guys have done it all for you. Um, they're the shit. I love these guys. I was bummed I wasn't at NAB with them this year. Uh, I guess I'm going to go next year, which is great. Um, they're really cool dudes. We go out, we have beers, we eat a lot. They're awesome. I love these guys. So be part of the club. Puget Systems is part of In Love With The Process's family. Um, go check out why. Click the link in the description of this episode and see what's up. Uh, also supporting the show are friends over at Jambox, jambox.io. Jambox is the newest thing. I just started with them this year. I started with them earlier this year. They became sponsors of the show. I got introduced to their music catalog. They provide uh, licensed music to all of us creatives out there, uh, people that are working on a budget, believe it or not, uh, and they provide music that honestly we shouldn't be able to afford. It's really great music. It really has changed the quality of work that I've done. If you've seen the, um, Gina and I talked about it last week. If you've seen um, the uh, the Batman, Robert Pattinson, Jesus, Michael. If you saw the uh, Robert Pattinson pieces that we did, uh, all that music underneath was from Jambox. If you watched um, any of the other pieces that I've done with Gina so far, like Boohoo Man, um, there's a couple that I'm not allowed to talk about still that are coming out in June that was all pulled from Jambox. And uh, many of you have written to me saying like, wow, this stuff sounds really cool. I've done it all myself with stems, with sound effects and music that I got from Jambox. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it's going to change the way your podcast sounds. It will it will change the way your short film sound. It will change the way your clients respond to you. I've had so many clients to come to me and go, well, we only have enough money for stock music. Here are these places that we have relationships with. And I kid you not, the quotes from most of the clients are, the music kind of sucks. See if you can find anything. I send them stuff from Jambox. And they go, oh my God, can we afford this? They're incredibly affordable. Head on over, check out their pricing. They have subscription plans if you're an unlimited creator. If you're someone that is just doing YouTube, podcasts, personal projects, it's only $9.99 a month. 30-day free trial. You get full access to all their music, unlimited downloads for social media, web streaming, personal student projects, film festivals, etc. If you're someone that is making cash and you're working with uh, commercial clients, corporate stuff, maybe you're doing some weddings, digital ads, sign up for their unlimited commercial account. It's the one I have. It comes with a seven-day free trial. I was able to use the music uh, on a project for GQ. All right. Uh, you get access to everything from uh, the creator plan plus all their sound effects, which are great, and the stems to the songs. That means you can pull the songs apart, use the beats, you can build your own songs. Fucking awesome. Uh, you can use this stuff for paid advertising, corporate business, weddings, live events, uh, $19.99 a month. Um, or if you're a student and you want to get all of that stuff and you're going to use the music for student projects, film festivals, web streaming, social channels, six bucks a month. Six bucks a month. That is $72 a year. $72 a year if you're a student and you get access to the same kind of sounds and music that you hear me use all the time. Come on. All right. They also have single song licensing packaging. It's all here. Head on over to jambox.io. Go through, browse through their music selection. Super easy to do. It will inspire you and you'll be like, fuck, I'm at least going to sign up for the free trials. Click the link 
in the description of this episode. Head on over to Jambox. Supporting the show, we have a plethora of camera support and folks that are sponsoring the show. Everybody from uh, uh, Blackmagic Design. Blackmagic Design supports us. They gave me an amazing 6K Pro Blackmagic camera. I use it all the time. Gina uses it all the time. It blows my mind. I'm able to bring in 6K uh, raw into my Premiere Pro timeline on my Puget system, and it runs flawlessly. I'm able to color grade in there with Lumetri in the timeline itself, which I love. Um, and then having it shot 6K means that I can have plenty of room to size it for social channels. Have you guys noticed like how many different delivery methods we have to do? You know, when I cut these pieces with Gina, like the Robert Pattinson piece, yeah, it didn't take me that long to cut it. I did it pretty quick. What took me fucking forever was that I had to reformat it for all these different formats. I had to format it for like vertical. I had to format it for square. I had to format it for, for YouTube. Uh, it's a nightmare. And so shooting 6K is great because then I can zoom in on stuff, move it around, put it wherever I need to without losing too much quality. It's pretty awesome. Uh, check it out. Head on over to blackmagicdesign.com. They have a bunch of really great stuff there. Uh, also, we have a great sponsorship uh, supporting that Blackmagic rig with Wooden Camera. Wooden Camera is sending us over this awesome camera support system, which the big problem I have with the Blackmagic rig is the battery. We all know this, right? It's an internal battery. It doesn't come with a battery charge. You have to plug the camera in uh, to charge the battery. It's kind of a pain in the ass. It's really the weakest part of that Blackmagic camera. But with uh, wooden camera. I actually have a rig rail system and then I have a battery sled like a battery mount in the back which I'm now throwing uh, Indie Pro batteries on which is another sponsor. So we've got Indie Pro batteries on the back of a wooden camera setup. We have a small HD monitor on board and then we're running it out wirelessly through Teradeck to one of the sweetest client monitors that we've had on set. Um, so the build, you guys are all asking me, what are we shooting with? What are we using? We're using products from all these guys. We're going to have links in the description. I will be, once we get everything in, cause we have a bunch of new pieces coming in, I'll build out the rig. We'll post the rig so you guys can see it. Cause I know a lot of you nerds never listen to me when I say it's not about gear. All right. I'll show you the gear that I'm, sh I'll show you my gear. <laughs> we'll do it. Um, and um, I'm very excited about all these people. Great companies. They support the shit out of us. Uh, I'm very excited to have them on. Let me do some official ad reads um, for IndiePro because IndiePro just signed up with us. Now, these guys build batteries and they do great batteries. Batteries that are lightweight, batteries that will hold their charge for a period of time. And as you know, when you're shooting, batteries is the biggest pain in your ass, right? Um, so IndiePro is the one-stop shop for all your power needs for your pro video and DSLR cameras. There's still a lot of you out there shooting DSLRs. There are a lot of you out there shooting Blackmagic stuff. A lot of Sony users out there. IndiePro offers a wide selection of professional V-mount and gold-mount batteries and chargers, battery adapter plates, which is what I was talking about, regulation cables, which are fascinating, 
go to Indie Pro and check out what regulation cables are and many other unique power accessories. These solutions are more compatible for the most popular brands on the market today, such as Sony, Canon, Blackmagic, Panasonic, and numerous others. Located only 30 minutes away from New York City, Indie Pro manufactures and assembles many of their power solutions in-house. This gives them the ability to customize any of their power solutions to fit their customers' need. We are offering a special discount code today for 20% off your entire first order from IndieProTools.com. That's IndieProTools.com. Use the promo code LOVE20, that's L-O-V-E 20, at checkout and receive the discount. Again, I'm going to say it again. We're offering 20% off any of our power solutions at IndieProTools.com with the code LOVE20. Power is a big deal, right? And batteries are a big deal. When I started in this business, we were using beta cams. We had these big old fucking monster bricks. And at one point, I actually had like a brick belt that I had to wear around me. They were super heavy. This stuff is lightweight. This stuff holds the charges for a lot longer. I'm, I'm actually swapping the batteries less. And if you rig your DSLR out, or if you rig your small uh, camera out, you're running everything off of that battery brick. So you're running the small HD monitor, you're running the wireless, the Teradek wireless unit, you're running all those little details off of one battery. So you're not like running around doing multiple charging stations. It's the shit. And the best part is, is that even on our big client monitor, we're gonna be running these, these batteries off the back of that as well. They're incredibly affordable. It's the smart move. Honestly, it's a move that you have to do because a lot of these cam camera manufacturers, I don't understand why, but they're not even throwing battery chargers in with their rigs anymore. That's wild, right? So uh, you need someone like this. So I'm, I'm excited. Indie Pro just jumped on as a sponsor. They're sending us over some stuff. Um, they're helping support the show. And uh, we're glad to have them. Last but not least, our other new sponsor, we're talking about gear, we're talking about all this equipment, and there are many of you that have gone out and bought all this equipment. How often are you using it? Is it sitting in the corner? Is it collecting dust? Are you finding that you're not getting calls to do as many jobs as you want since COVID, right? And you're like, fuck, rent is coming around, and I wish I had another source of income. I wish I had some passive income, right? Why not put that gear to work? I mean, everybody needs a piece of something right everybody is like we were uh we needed to get some cf cards recently we need to, do you notice how fucking expensive compact flash cards are still like they own the market for that and when i deal with larger rental houses they're expensive to fucking rent and i think well, that was one of the reasons why i found this company that's why i found ShareGrid. is that i was like there needs to be a a better way to get these and i ended up finding owner operators that had cf cards that would rent them out incredibly cheap incredibly cheap and i was like whoa that's fascinating what else does this website do well let me read uh what they're what they got going on do you own camera equipment that you're not always using at sharegrid.com you can earn extra money renting out your camera gear to local filmmakers and photographer and photographers whew, ShareGrid vets every renter and gives them access to instant insurance, making sure that your gear is always covered, damage or theft for 100% of its value. So that's the big concern, right? If you're going to let people borrow this, is it going to come back fucked up? 
Well, good to know it's covered by insurance. ShareGrid is the largest camera sharing community with over 150,000 creatives sharing over 1 billion worth of equipment. My dad listened to last week's episode and he's like, the ShareGrid ad sounded fascinating, but they only have a million worth. Did I say a million? I felt like I said a billion because it's actually a billion dead. So that's what it's supposed to be. 1 billion worth of equipment. Sign up today at sharegrid.com backslash ILWP and get $100 worth of promotional credits for your listings. Uh, you can list all types of gear, camera, lighting, audio, grip, props, even location, really anything that has something to do with production. So don't wait. Start putting your gear to work. Go to sharegrid.com backslash ILWP. If you're curious about ShareGrid, if you need to rent something from ShareGrid, if you're shooting something right now and you guys are going to rent from ShareGrid, come here, use our link, please use that link. Once again, sharegrid.com backslash ILWP. Use the link, please. I want to keep these guys around as a sponsor. And I know you guys are renting all the time. Just click the fucking link on our thing to go back to the website. Bookmark it here because <clears throat> you can do this on your uh, web browser. Do me a favor and bookmark sharegrid.com backslash ILWP so that when you rent next time, you click that. All right. Does that make sense? All right, guys, let's get back to the show. are younger uh, you know you everybody borrows from somebody else everybody is influenced by somebody else like all the films that we grew up loving those guys were influenced by howard hawks and all the people from the uh the, the early days of cinema so mm -hmm. um but you know there is this stress that i think a lot of people have and i get asked this question all the time like how do you find your style how do you find your sense of tone and it's like dude you know, like for at least for me it's like i didn't set out to have whatever sense of tone or style that you think i have for these movies it's it was just created on uh, mostly out of desperation like how do i yeah. how do i fix this situation that i'm in i don't have enough money i don't have this how can i be clever about that and and then in that sort of freedom because you I, th I think what you were describing by saying that your set was so simple and the, you know, you were able to strip out a lot of the stresses that you felt on the, on, I don't want to say the bigger things, but on the things that required a whole lot more resources, which is like shooting outside, shooting at night, dealing with all that kind of shit. Um, yeah. You end up being able to take a little bit of weight off your shoulders that you've placed there yourself. Like I, I I've done the same thing, you know, where you're like, fuck, I don't, I'm just processing this now where I'm like, do I want to do this new film that is going to require me to get, bring in all this shit and grab all these folks and do all this stuff. If I'm going to do that again, why am I doing it? What am I feeling? And, and is this the, is this the right path or do I do something more simplistic? Cause if I do something more simplistic, then I could start to scratch the itch. Uh, yeah. That is the yeah, directing yeah. itch, you know? 
<laughs> it's funny because you're going down this path of internalization. I think we all do. And, and, and it's, it can be motivating, but more often it can be pretty discouraging. Yes. You know, doing that is like doing the balancing act of hypotheticals, which is, it's, it's a hard thing to navigate, you know, um, because it's so much, I, I do believe like our energy for this stuff is really finite, you know, and if you blow too much of it, thinking about the hypotheticals, then, then you sort of get frozen with indecision, right? Yep. You know, and, and that's, uh, I think the older I'm getting, the better I am at managing that. It's almost managing my, my own expectations towards things. Um, you know, what's it going to do for me if I, if I make a feature film tomorrow, um, you know, I'll be happy if anybody actually sits down and watches in a theater. That's my big goal, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but it does. It, you have to. You have to be fully on board. Yeah. You know, there's no. There's no half measures when it comes to, to to getting behind this stuff because you're also, you know, if we were if we are both illustrators, then it's just us at our desk, you know, yeah. burning the midnight oil until we, you know, get that, get that uh, whatever it is we're drawing to look just right. But with filmmaking, you are steering a fully loaded boat yes. with people, yes. you know, and, and you just don't want that shit to collide with the shoreline, you know? Um, and it, it just takes all of your will, yep. you know? Yep. Yep. And you know, there's something these days, I, I think it's less for me, it's less about like, um, sort of, sort of like existential kind of thing. And it's more about, um, what am I doing that's making me happy? And what, what Mm -hmm. aspect of this is going to make me happy? And, and the idea of, I mean, it's so fucking loaded on our end because we're, we're so fucking close with like two feature films and the, the level of, uh, guess what? We're going to pull the Lamborghini out of the garage. We're washing the Lamborghini. We're going to hand you the Lamborghini. You can see the Lamborghini. Get ready. You're going to get in it. Call your friends because you guys are going to go for a ride in this Lambo. And you're looking at it and they go, oh, actually, we're going to put the Lamborghini back in the garage right now because it might rain. So, and you're just <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah. That, yeah. that instant sort of hit is what we've been processing on our end here because you know, we talked a little bit offline about this shit. This industry right now is, is incredibly scared of everything. So anybody and anybody who's doing anything or creating anything is, is scared of their loss of a job. They're scared of the economy. They're scared of being canceled. Everybody's fucking scared right now. And so uh, taking any sort of risk, if you show up with a menu that doesn't have cheeseburgers and everything else on that fucking thing. If you show up with anything that's weird, they just go like, no one's going to walk in here. Fuck this. And they just throw it away instantly, <laughs> instantly. And, uh. and so then you start questioning, at least I did. And I'm being very uh, honest with many of you guys listening to the show. Um, you start questioning like, okay, especially when you saw the fucking Lambo, right? And so then you're, you're jazzed on it. Like you have that energy and you're like, okay, cool. Well, what do we need to do? Just pull, open the garage door again and make sure the Lambo still stays in the sun, okay? And what do we need to do to keep that fucking garage door open? Do I need to, do I need to change something to keep that open? What do we got to do? And so then you spend time fighting for that. And you're like, well, just keep it open, keep it open, keep it open. And then they just sort of, it's like the, someone's just closing it slowly and looking at you and smiling. And you're just like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's mental gymnastics. And I, and I think, 
you know, for, for you, especially because you're, you're out there amongst it, yes, you know, yes. it's a, it's a little easier, I would say when you're, you're further removed. I mean, I'm, again, I'm just, I'm up here on the, you know, I'm in the Hudson Valley, right on the Hudson. It's like things move slower here anyways, you know? <laughs> so, so the processing of the ups and downs has a little more, um, you know, it's, it's feathered on both sides, but for you, you're in the heart of it. I, I totally get it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's, you know, I think I'm only able to get away with, you know, being able to sort of hole up, work on something quietly with the idea that there'll be prospects on the other end because I, I have, you know, a good partnership with my producer, uh, Noah Lang, mm -hmm. you know, he's, he's sort of, I don't know, he's like, he's, he's my babysitter and linebacker, you know, like that's great. He, see, he sees a good idea that I happen to jot down on a post-it. He's like, Hey, you should explore that. You know, and it hasn't worked out every time, but it's certainly like, you know, with Creepbox in the state that it is now, you know, we have this proof of concept. It's, you know, it'll be available for all to see in uh, July. Nice. Um, you know, and then there are some very promising prospects on, you know, uh, for the for the feature film. Like all of that is, uh, that's all he's doing. He's, you know, he's, he is you know, I make the pretty thing. He helps me make the pretty thing. And then he takes it from there. And, and if anything, I mean, you probably have these relationships as mm -hmm. well, but like, again, if we're, we're giving advice to any, anybody who's crazy enough to get into this industry, you got to find yourself a good partner like that. You do. Man. You, know, you, you can't like it, it is in some ways the most therapeutic thing you can do for your creative career is have somebody else who handles that logistics who holds you up, who pushes you forward. Like if you don't have that person, you can buckle really easily, you know? Yeah. It gets really stressful because for years, even to a certain extent, I've done both. And so the, the hard part is, is swapping those hats. It really is sort of being like, okay, now I'm the salesman and that's what I'm doing. I'm the salesman. And so I'm going around and selling everything and, and, uh, you know, you go into meetings and you spend more time talking about barbecue than you start talk about film and people are like, fuck, we want to hang out with this guy because he likes barbecue. And you're like, okay, great. And so <laughs> then like, that's like the big sales pitch. And then you have to come home and go, oh, I have to write something. And you're jacked up on sales pitch shit, which is like, yeah. uh, completely counterintuitive to like, let me create this world and let me understand who this character is. It's completely different. Yeah. Um, no, I know. I've, 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 I've had not to the extent that that you've had. I think at this point, but I've definitely had. I've been on the side of the sailing. Like we've, you know, we've been on the, you know, at the tables with the people who can give you a green light, probably then and there. Mm -hmm. You know, and then there is no. It's weird. You walk away with this buzzing energy that you can't shake off when you get back to the paper. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then it, it kind of causes a, a really bad sort of cycle of like, is this not good enough? Why am I sitting here trying to work on this thing? Oh, fuck it. I think I'm going to come up with something new. Sometimes that's the healthy bit is that you go, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to come up with something new. Yeah. You know? And, and as with any filmmaker, I'm sure that everybody has like this subconscious Rolodex of, of things that they want to try out. But more often than not, you end up visiting that Rolodex because you're feeling like you've been defeated on something else. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. Although it just depends on on the situation. 
I say 100% because we've been there recently. So yeah, but then there's also this level of coming up with a great idea, whether you're riding a bike or you're in the shower, you're eating a meal and you're like, ah, oh, that's fucking cool. And you write it down because you know that that will be something like, like, like 12 KM and the fucking, the, the story of the, uh, Russian miners. I knew that story like six years prior to the head injury, which sort of spawned everything that became the proof of concept. So that was something that was just sort of sketched down somewhere, sort of kicking yeah. in the ethos. And, that's where it's always felt healthy. It's when, you know, I see it with musicians too, right? So uh, there's, a, there's this thing that I think most people don't notice. But if you go on to uh, Spotify and you look at your favorite artist, uh, I don't want to say all of them are this way, but a lot of pop stars are this way. There's a feature on Spotify where you can actually click and read about the writers and you can read about how many people write these songs. And oftentimes it's like a room full of 15 fucking people writing this <laughs> pop star yeah. song. And I've talked to some of these pop stars that are like, I have to follow up my first album, which took me, you know, my whole life to this point to come up with. And now I have to come up with a second album and the stress of the sale and the stress of everything that comes from the business side is definitely in my head. So they're going to send me away to a school or, or a camp. And so they, they go away to a writer's camp where there's a bunch of other writers that are at, in my head, it's like, <laughs> it's like a, it's like a summer camp, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> and so they go there and they, everybody sort of sits around and someone may hum a tune. Someone may hold a guitar while you're coming up with the song. And then all those 15 people get listed on your credits. But that's out of desperation. It's writing out of desperation where it's like, I need to try to figure this thing out because of the business. And oftentimes yeah. lately I've found myself there because it's like, okay, the industry's changing. The business is changing. Content's changing. Who, who, who supposedly people want to see make films is changing. So how do I change what it is that I'm going to change? And am I following the trends for this? Am I just doing this trend-wise? Because that's what you're getting from uh, yeah, you, the industry. You don't, want, you don't want anything you're doing to be an act of desperation, creatively speaking, exactly. right? Exactly. I, mean, that's, I think that's what you're getting to. And, it's, and, and that's for sure. It's like, you know, I think this industry, and, and this is, I, you know, I should – sort of preface this with that both of you both both you and i are sort of on the cusp right yes. we're like we're we're just about there all we need is that that little bit of leverage that next stepping stone to put us to where we are yep so it's you know it's no surprise that we sort of align with a lot of the same thinking but like with writing out of desperation you all you're trying to do at that point is 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 keep up with somebody else yep. some some imaginary phantom you know because that's just the nature of the business you know they, they they'll green light a million things that look like whatever the latest flavor is you know i sort of don't even know what it is right now because i'm trying not to pay attention um <laughs> you know but like the best ideas are the ones that you planted a long time ago like 12 km yeah. you know it's just sitting there and you were fostering it and it was growing roots and, you know, it finally sprouted into this really amazing thing. Yeah. You know, and, and that's sort of the same with almost the one piece of continuity, creatively speaking for me is that I, I 
I'm very much about planting those seeds. Mm. Even even the previous short films, again, Charles Bukowski's Nirvana and and Embers and Dust, those were not ideas that like popped up overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think Embers and Dust was something you know I, I kind of plotted a course for while I was still in school. You know, so we're we're talking 2000 three or 2004 is when I was like, Oh, this would be a really cool concept, but it just sat there. There's no, you know, it, digital filmmaking was nowhere. <laughs> I don't even know that, that was really a thing right. in 2003, you know? Um, and Charles Bukowski's Nirvana was, you know, that, I think that was, I, whenever Tom Waits's um, orphans album dropped, he did a reading of it on there. I happened to be listening to it on a, on a, <laughs> on a CD <laughs> on a road trip to LA. And I was like, this could be really cool to just sort of fully realize. Mm. And God knows when that was, I don't even know when that album was released, but then if you look at the distance from when the idea sort of planted itself to when I was actually able to execute it. It's a long distance. Yeah, you totally. Know? Totally. And cre- even creep boxes, a culmination of little ideas that I've had, throughout the years um it just took a little push to uh, you know a, a point in my life where i was like this is something i really need to explore you know well so understanding that now and which i totally get that too do you have a greater awareness of being that gardener if you will at this point do you have a process where you're like i've got this great idea and here's a here's a little system that i do to sort of like either harness this idea or put this idea away. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think that's 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 the gift of 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 sort of aging in in the creative field is sort of understanding the way you work, you know, uh, and being in tune with those little moments where you're like, okay, that that's something. It's not where it's supposed to be yet, but it's something. Mm. Um, and I'm going to file it away just like I filed away the other things that, that said too, though, you can get derailed by that sometimes, um, you know, if you're not careful, like, you know, especially in sort of, I'm going to go about this the right way. Cause I don't want to like dump on any of this, but you know, like all, I, I think essentially when you, when you set out to be a filmmaker, all you want to do is get famous quickly. And it's not maybe not fame, but you want success quickly so you can continue to, yeah, to make things. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So you can have a really good idea that seems to be the thing and you really latch onto it and it goes places. Um, maybe you win a contest. Maybe you win a fellowship. Maybe you win, you know, in, in Embers' case, I, I won a grant from Musicbed. Nice. Um, so it's like, okay, I, that success, I've got I've to gotta, gotta figure out how to piggyback on that success and and you know sort of segue into the next thing here i am i don't know this might be six years ago six years later and i haven't made anything yeah up until creep box you yeah. know because yeah. i kind of went along the ride of of that success you know and i'm not saying and this is not like a cautionary tale to anybody who's out there you know um you know uh, trying to get filmmaking grants or or win you know screenwriting fellowships which i have i've also won and it ultimately the experience was it was kind of a mixed bag mm-hmm. uh, worth it but it it definitely kept me going on a project that would ultimately not happen 
Mm-hmm. So I'm not calling it a waste of time, but it's definitely a frustrating mm-hmm. experience when all you want to do is make things, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure where I was going with that tangent, but you do have to be careful about your ideas and the ones that you really latch on to. Yeah. You know, yeah, dude, this is something that I had to teach myself too, where you you have to be in love with something to do it and you you have to be fully committed to something to do it um i i may have said the story before but i when i when i first got repped and i had uh like uh my manager came to me and he was like hey look we've got a bunch of these other scripts coming in read some of these scripts and let me, let us know what you think and i was like okay so I read um, this one script that I thought was fun. I thought it was really, it actually is just coming out. What is the name of it? Um, it's, it's an exorcism movie that's just coming out. Um, and so they sent me this thing and I went, oh, this is cool. And the guys sort of said to me, like, the chances of you getting this are pretty low. You know, like, you, mm-hmm. yeah, you don't have a feature, you don't have a thing. And so I was like, all right, should, should I even write on the fucking thing? And they're like, yeah, no, no, you should. And so there, that thing echoed in my head. The, uh, the chances of you getting this are pretty low. That was just consistently yeah. echoing in my head. And as I sort of sat down to prep this thing, because whenever you get a script like this that you're going to go in to read for it, audience, um, and uh, you have to walk into a producer's place being like fully fucking prepped. Like you have to be like, hey, this movie's happening tomorrow. Um, and so I sat down and started to work on this thing. And there was a big piece of me that was like, I'm probably not going to get this. So I'm not going to put in the extra time on this and this and this and this. I'm just going to do just enough. And I'll bring in some of my special sauce and I'll put some special sauce in here. And yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and I did that and I turned it into the management and he was, he called me back. And he goes, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, what? And he's like, dude, you need to be committed. And I go, yeah, but I'm probably not going to get it. And he goes, that's true. But you need to go through this entire process. You need to fall in love with this thing, to go in that room and to pitch it to these people. And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah. And so it was six days of fucking hard labor and work and prep and pulling. And, and I went in and I did a solid pitch to the producers. They really liked it. And at the end of the pitch, they went, well, unfortunately, we're not going to give it to you because you don't have another feature. But thanks for coming in here and pitching this whole fucking thing. And it was heart-wrenching, you know, because you walk out of there and you go, I-, I saw the whole world. I saw everything. I saw everything that was involved with this. And I-, I fell in love with these characters. And I went through this entire process. And I talked to the manager and he goes, that's the job, dude. Yeah, to fall in love is the job. I mean, it's not, it's not wrong. Yeah, dude. you know, yeah, because because it's also you. If, if you're you're willing to accept that you have to fall in love with something, you have to also accept that you're probably going to have your heart broken. Yeah, no, but nobody likes to have their heart broken, and also, no matter how much it happens, heartbreak always fucking hurts. Yeah, right. Yeah, 100%. there's no way you get used to that feeling, and but but to the falling in love with part, if you had gotten it then that love has to sustain too. You don't want to fall out of love with whatever it is you're working on because you're going to be on it for a long time, right? Yeah, dude. So that's that's sort of the muscle that I, I feel like coming from your cautionary tale there, that's the muscle that you kind of got get prepared, right? Is the, the ability to love something. And unfortunately for me, I mean, and this, you know, I kind of brought this up earlier is I can't do it with other people's work. Yeah. I can't do it with other people's pages. Like it's just, 
you know, I've, I've definitely read enough scripts that, you know, were potential projects and I just, I, I couldn't get, I, I couldn't, I couldn't fake it. You know, if you, if you, and I'm not saying that you're, yeah, faking no, no, I just, no. I, I don't even have anything to tap into. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, cause a lot of it's shit. I mean, let's be real about it. Like, <laughs> dude, a lot of it's shit. And a lot of the stuff that gets to the, I, I mean, a lot of stuff that's coming to me is not good. A lot of the stuff that is finally, cause uh, there's no ego here. How low on the fucking list am I? For when the scripts finally come my way, I'm a new guy. I'm a guy that's got a couple shorts. I'm a guy in their roster they're excited about. But you know, it's like you know, you've watched it trickle down through all these other spaces. So you're getting like you know a stack of three scripts that you go through, and you're like, okay, I see why this got to me. <laughs> like, like, like instantly, you're like, I got it. But um, the thing that I mean, we're totally off on a tangent. But the thing that um, I learned over COVID when I was reading uh, Judith Weston's books and I was really getting excited about directing for actors and, and doing all that stuff is that sometimes there's meat in there. And this is something that I've learned from a lot of the TV directors that come on because directing for TV as a director is a grind. Um, yeah. But there's meat in there. And then I started to get really excited about like, ooh, you know, my favorite thing right now to do is actually take someone else's script and cross out all the screen direction, cross out everything on there and just go, mm -hmm. I know that you wrote all this in order for it to get sold. I know you wrote all this in order for it to get into my hands or whoever's going to direct the hands. But guess what? I get to cross it all out because none of that fucking matters. Now we get to take the core essentials of what the script is and then make this into something new and collaborative and fun. And what well, I mean, you but it, it also it engages you, yeah. Right, because if, because if you're just looking at the parts that you're you're going to execute, then then you again you could quickly fall out of love with that. Yeah. But if you, you it, you're engaged with it and crafting it, yeah, then, then it's just going to look so much better. It's going to play so much better, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And there was a reason why we went down this path, and I think I lost track of it. But I think at the end of the day, we were talking about. Uh, stamina and, and working with this muscle and trying to fall in love with these things. Uh, I've learned that you have to go through the process of, of having your heart broken multiple times, then go through the, the ego check of the decimation that happens after your heartbreak. And I, I don't know yeah. how many of you listening have been through like terrible, like relationship heartbreaks. I know I have like, um, I, I don't know about you, Patrick, but you, end up coming out of the back end. It's like you walk out of an explosion, like the building blew up and you somehow yeah. walk out and your fucking clothes are torn and you're smoking and you walk out and it's like, how can this happen to me? And so you start to go through this egotistical shit and then you come out of the back end of it and you go, well, none of that really fucking mattered. And what was the strongest thing? Oh, it was love that was the strongest thing initially, not any of this other shit. And so- yeah, it's a love. I mean, I think what brings you back to it is a love for the craft, right? Yeah. I mean that that that's. I mean that's why we're here, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. The process of everything, and even if you know you make it through several steps of the process, and you think it's going to be the one that gets you, you probably still had a good time along the way somewhere. Yeah. You know, 100%. That, that, like you're you're not doing this because it's like you know walking across broken glass with bare feet you're doing it because you love it because it brings something to you and you can bring something to it you know yeah. I, I mean i'm sitting here at my desk and i definitely have a stack of of you know 
spec scripts. They're just sitting there. I don't know if they'll ever get made, but they're certainly, those were the stepping stones to get to where I am with Creepbox. Yeah. They were important steps. They had some heartbreak behind them, but they, they got me to where I'm more confident about the stories I want to pursue. Absolutely. The, type, the types of film I want to make. Um, you know, and it's a part of the process that you can't ignore because nobody's going to shoot a hundred for a hundred, like out the gate. It just doesn't happen. No. You know what I mean? Um, and you have to recognize that, uh, it's funny. I feel like we're a couple of like old fogies talking to like, no, dude, like teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. I mean, I've said this multiple times on the show. Like it's, it's not about discouragement. It's not, I mean, as as salty as I can sound about specific things, I fucking love this business. I don't know. Yeah. And believe me, there are plenty of times where I've confronted it and, and gone, I'm done. Like there are plenty of times where I've been like, I'm out. I'm fucking out. And the stuff that, that I've gone through, and I'm sure you've been in the same boat with the stuff that you've gone through, warrants us to be like, go fuck yourself. Like there's a there's there's a lot of shit that comes at us that we're like that is completely unfair that is completely shitty and you want to just go fuck you and and then mm. sometimes I will sometimes it'll be two days of me just going like I'm out and I I mm. walk around like a fucking ghost and and mm-hmm. Gina's like mm-hmm. what are you doing dude like wh- where are you going I'm like I'm done <laughs> and so then and so then a yeah. couple days go by once I get over the hurt of whatever it is and I just go like asshole what else you you, like you 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 dreamt about making a movie last night you like there isn't anything else that you want to fucking do other than to make movies and and put too much cholesterol in your blood like like, (laughs) yeah i I, it is a constant thing that i you know you you battle with and and my wife is certainly you know heard her share of of my explanatives <laughs> and doubt but it always comes back to the same thing it's like well what else am i going to do with my life yep you know i i i know that i've i've you know been distracted and i've i've definitely been derailed before and things like that but ultimately i'm still right here yep and i'm still fighting for this and 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 nurturing it you know, because um, at this point, to shift gears into something else just doesn't seem feasible, anyways. Yeah, no, totally, you know? dude, totally. Um, I'm definitely hitting of a certain age where it's like, all right, it's time for it to pay out. <laughs> That's for sure. You know, but I think it with, with anything anybody's passionate about, it's, it's attrition. It's, uh, it's stick to itiveness. Just keep going, yeah. you know, and yeah, yeah, and eventually that that uh, that parachute will open, uh, or it doesn't, <laughs> and, and then you're not worrying about anything, anyways. So yeah, to- to- totally. And and then what happens is is that you just like you look behind you, right? At least I do. I'll look behind me at the trail, at the wake of you know this decision that I made in my twenties, where I'm like, this is my goal. And then I look behind me and I suddenly go, whoa, there's all that fucking, there's all that experience that I was so hungry for when I was a kid. And holy shit, like look at everything that I've learned and my, my intuitions are there and holy Mm -hmm. shit, there's also the style of my stuff. And it was, it's just created in the wake of you processing all this stuff. And then there's a comfort to that where you're like, ah, right. 
right. yeah, I think I think at some point you need to remind yourself of that, you know, because it's so often that we don't see, you know, it's not not to get all you know Zen here, but you don't see the forest for the trees. Yep, you know, um, and yeah, all that experience. It's like it would go it would go wasted if you didn't continue down the road, right? It's just this sort of gained knowledge that all of a sudden would be, you know, lost in the ether. It's like, why not just keep going? Why not keep adding to it? Why not, you know, I, 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 I want whatever I'm saying now to sound hopeful, but it's, you know, it's, it's difficult, but absolutely worth it. Right. It is hopeful. No, no, no. Fuck that. It is hopeful, dude. Like, <laughs> like, let, 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 let me be real here again. Like on, like, fuck this. If you're, if you're on this show and you're expecting me to ask Patrick, like, what lenses did you use? And like, what was the, what was the, uh, what edit systems are you using and making that stuff? If that's what you're on the hunt for as someone that is looking to learn about filmmaking, then you are so short sighted, man, because what you're getting right now is access to the experience of what this business is longevity. This business can be brutal. This business can be incredibly rewarding. You can make something in this business that surprises you. And then the people around you put you up as a fucking God for a short period of time. And then you have to sort of process what that brings. Like, Oh my God, now where's my ego and how does my ego play into this game? All these things are things that I wish, wish I was able to listen to a podcast when I was 22 years old. I wish, wish, wish that Robert Rodriguez was on there talking about that shit, like how he processed all those things. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Back then we had to, you know, sort of uh, seek out the DVD audio commentary on things, which also hugely beneficial, I think. Um, yes, for sure. But no, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, sort of in a world where mentorship is is sort of far and view, few between, you know, especially with this format of, you know, uh, podcasts mm-hmm. like this, you know, I, I definitely would have liked to have heard something like this when I was 16, you know, in the middle of, uh, nowhere, California, yeah. you know, with not, with nothing more than a, uh, a digital eight camera or something like that, you know, cause it, it's, it, it's an exhilarating ride too. Yes. You know, especially when you get the project to come together. Oh my God. You know, I, I, you know, with Creepbox as as we were piecing it together over the holidays, you know, I, I edited it myself and I'm sitting there and I'm I'm just, you know, I'm looking at the takes, I'm looking at the timeline. And that's it's sort of um it's sort of full it comes full full circle if you're the writer director <laughs> and happen to be uh on a budget, so you have to be the editor too. You're like, it's just me alone with the story again. <laughs> it's such a, I, I, I got to tell you, man, it's like one of my favorite feelings. And if it's something that I can continue to do into my career, throughout my career, I, I would I, I, I would definitely be grateful for it because it's sort of like you're the one who gets to put the bow on this thing that didn't exist up until you thought about it. Yeah. You know, it is just like one of the most mind-tingling experiences you can have is knowing that this is it's a finished thing it didn't exist x amount of time ago and now here it is and people are going to ingest it yeah it's it's wild dude and it's funny you brought that up and i i i started to taste certain emotions from from when i was doing uh 12km like that same feeling came to me when i was editing because you edit all your stuff and i do the same thing so like 
there were periods where I had a system down where I'm like, I have to put in three weeks in the edit room and I have to go based upon this formula and I have to do this at night because we were also using the studio for other stuff. And so it was like week two and I found so much comfort coming and starting up the computer and just watching some of the scenes I had done the day before. And here's my best friend. Like this movie is, is my best friend this week because it's, it's teaching me things. I'm giving it my life. I'm giving it my experiences. I'm giving it my taste. And it's teaching me things. As I, as I pit these shots together, as I put sound underneath it, I, like the movie itself is, is teaching me something. And I'm like, oh, fuck, dude. I didn't think it. Like, oh, my God. Because of what this performer did here and, mm-hmm. and if we arranged this stuff, it, it became such a love relationship. Yeah. You well, f- you find you find like the I think you really do find your style in the mistakes. Yeah. Right. You know they say they say the like you know you know you're in a healthy relationship when you you love the person that you're with for their faults. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's the same for for any kind of artistic endeavor. Is is being surprised by these little happenstances in the timeline or in the take and going, wow. Oh, I didn't, I didn't plan for that, yeah. but I love that. Yeah. I love it. I want to do that again. Yes. You know? And, and that's, yeah, it, again, there you go. That's, it's a, an, it doesn't seem like a lot when you're, when you're saying it out loud, but it's those little moments and that kind of elation you get that makes all the other gunky frustrating stuff worth getting through right dude a hundred percent and it's that it's i feel so good just talking about it it's that little juiced up moment that you get from that whether it's in the edit room or if i'm storyboarding and i come up with some new idea or if i if i'm uh collaborating with you uh or cruda or someone else and you guys come up with a great idea and i go what we're feeling right now like this little nugget like everybody look around feel this feel this feel this because this (laughs) this is what we're fighting for this is what took you know you six years to get back to this is what takes me fucking you know seven or eight years to get to it's it's this and it's it's almost like <laughs> it's almost like crack you know what i mean when you, <laughs> when you, when you taste it and you're like this is really great and then you're just fighting to get more crack <laughs> that's essentially <laughs> essentially what filmmaking is where you're just like begging and, and praying for it it is it's definitely an abusive uh an abusive high yeah for sure um it's it it can uh, it can be unbalanced uh quite often (laughs) oh i dude look i love the the conversation that we've been having here i know that we've gone completely uh off the rails and uh it's like kind of a non-traditional thing um, but uh, how are you doing on time? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm. I'm fine. It's a, you're you're the captain of the ship on no, this one. We can, this this the ship can keep going for a bit. I just wanted to check in with you. No, I mean it's it's nice when you, know, you brought it up earlier. We're not talking about lenses. We're not talking about you know what programs and, and such. Um, you know, because I, I think you know it's definitely like a firefighter quality to this uh, craft where people yeah. can get kind of obsessed with the equipment. Yeah. Um, as opposed to sort of the more philosophical debates that you have as a filmmaker. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, you know, frankly, once you've learned the production side of things, that craft, um, 
it goes to autopilot. That's just a, it's a secondary muscle, right? Yep. It's the philosophical stuff that sort of fuels your continued interest, yeah. you know? Um, and you can see it in some of the, you know, obviously like, you know, the, the master filmmakers where they're just, they're willing to kind of delve deeper into, um, in, into what's going on in their own minds as a storyteller, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause that's where we're stuck, right? You know, most of the time that's where everything is, is it, is it's in our brains. And I don't know if you feel the same way, but if I come up with an idea, if I get really excited about a scene or, uh, an emotion then I start to paint it, you know, and it, it's the one place as a filmmaker where you can create, uh, that scene alone. Like you don't need actors. You don't need anybody. It's just in your brain. And then you put on this, this play for yourself where you, you screen this movie against the front of your, your forehead. And then, um, you then have to go, guys, I saw this really great fucking thing. <laughs> and so then you're trying to translate whatever that wow was, whatever the, whatever was pumping those, you know, that dopamine through your fucking brain. You're now trying to get it out of this mouth, out of this, out of this meat. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's often it's, I, I find that it's your, you know, of course the easy thing to do is say, what's this scene about, right? It's a very sort of analytical question when yeah. it comes to, to, to writing or, or to, um, to, to, uh, creating a scene, you know, directing a scene is what is this scene about? But if you're really asking that question and you're, and you're, you happen to be the writer, it's sort of more like, what are you going through and what are you working through? What is, what is it that, that you have to get out of you? Mm. You know, uh, I know that for me personally, I think I find that I'm a stronger writer when I'm really keyed into, you know, my own emotion. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't want to say the theme cause you know, it feels pretty standardized to go, what's the theme or what's the message about your film? Yeah, you know, that's, yeah, yeah. I, th I think it's, it's a little too clinical, but when you start to, think about what you're feeling as an individual and, and how you can express it through you know, the power of filmmaking. You know, I think that's, that's when you start doing things that resonate with other people, you know, with, with creep box in particular, it's about grief, you yeah. know, maybe not, maybe not the proof of concept that everybody hopefully will go watch uh, after listening to this um, or listen to it before uh, or watched it before listening to this maybe the proof of concept doesn't carry that um, just because it is it's sort of the opening of what would be the feature film, but the feature film script is very much me processing my own grief. Yeah. You know? Um, so it's, you know, when you can tap into that, you just make better art, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's, it's also interesting because uh, what you were saying there kind of light, like light dawns on Marvel head is also allowing yourself um, to let the stuff that's in you sort of spill out. And, and, mm -hmm. and I think sometimes that's kind of messy. It's kind of sloppy, but I get that, man. I, I was just free, free writing something the other day in which I had to convince myself. I'm like, this is not going to be a movie. This is not going to be anything. This is just me free writing. And this is me writing about an experience and a story that I think is really great. Maybe this will just be a short story. Who the fuck knows? But I, I just sat down and I started to write. And 
there were a couple bits in there that I wrote that I'm like, this is exactly what I'm what I'm going through right now. This line here is exactly what I'm going through. That's why I wrote this fucking thing was to let that that oil spill out of me, to let that you know that shit come out. And yeah, it's a, it's it's an, it's an exorcism. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's fortunate. Um, it's fortunate for us as as filmmakers that we have that at our not disposal. I mean, obviously with, you know, going back to our earlier conversation about getting things made, it mm-hmm. may never see the light of day, mm-hmm. but at least being able to put it down on a piece of paper as a potential idea, you get to expel some of that stuff, yeah. you know? Um, and I, but at the same time, I think that's what makes, you know, uh, people nervous, Yeah, you know, um, is raw, especially when, when you're, you know, when you are dealing with something like death and grief, everybody has an experience with that stuff. Um, and some people don't want to get behind it because it's, you know, it's a, it could be triggering. It could be something they don't want to deal with. Yeah. Um, but then you find the people who connect with it and feel something from it, maybe feel a better way because of it. And then that also, adds to that brain tingling satisfaction you get as a filmmaker. It's like, Oh, all of this, everything I went through mm-hmm. <laughs> is absolutely worth it because, because of this, mm-hmm. because it affected this person in a, in a particular way. Mm-hmm. It's wild how that, it, I mean, that, I mean, that's sort of at the end of the day, that's what you want is you want to, you know, sort of express an emotion, a feeling and experience that you that impacted you in a, in a, such a sensory way, you want to try to at least take someone down that road 40%, 50%. You know? Oh, it's absolutely, and it's absolutely addictive too. Yeah. I mean, between Embers and Dust and Charles Bukowski's Nirvana, I've got enough like messages through whatever social platform um, they've decided to contact me through um, and people just telling me what it meant to them. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, even as far as telling me their theories on 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 the on the films themselves, you know, like it's almost like a fan theory kind of deal. <laughs> but you do get the people who are like this deeply affected me and it made my day or it made me cry at my desk, which is sometimes a good thing too. Um uh, and it, it's 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 hugely rewarding like to know that you've touched somebody that way regardless if you're trying to or not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean but and you know what I liked about when I first watched Embers? It's because you uh, use the uh, War of the Worlds radio broadcast. Like that, to me, is so such a personal thing because I, I remember being a kid listening to a version of that. I think it was being broadcast on Halloween when I was a kid somewhere, and I remember just fucking falling in love with that. And I still mm-hmm. will put that on for, as a comfort and just sort of listen to this world that is painted uh, through the sounds of the popping and crackling oh, and the desperation, yeah. and fuck. I mean, it's 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 a potent thing still. You know, I've I've got a nice vinyl copy of it, and and I I, I too will pop it on like during Halloween and and just listen to sort of it's just this warm experience. It's so it it, it feels like a nice warm blanket. It does, you know, yeah. and and that feeling that sort of. Hey, we were now we're going on a tangent. Um, Do it. That's fine. <laughs> that feeling was what we were trying to capture. You know, even in Embers and Dust with with the father and son dynamic, mm-hmm. that's something that I've been messaged about quite a few times because it sort of 
subverted what you would expect from that scenario to play out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you would imagine that the father would be like, Hey, get your head out of the clouds and get back to work. Like, like times are tough, man. Everybody has to help. Right. But instead he decides to be this sort of, uh, caring and nurturing, um, presence in his, in his child's life and tells him, you know, use your imagination. I'm not saying that's like in any way autobiographical. Um, but I definitely have had those people in my life yeah. who have said, you know, just keep, keep going with your imagination. You, you see, you seem to be decent at it. Um, you know, maybe you should nurture it. And that personal experience, you know, projected onto embers and dust and then, you know, projected into the eyeballs of the audience. I, I would not expect that there were people out there that, that felt that way. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's, I don't think it's something I can plan for, but what I'm saying is, writing from a personal place where you're even, even if it's a positive thing, trying to expel it from you or exercise it from you and onto a piece of paper is, you know, I, I think it's, I think it might actually be one of the most important points of filmmaking. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Because when it's not there, you notice it. Like when it's yeah. not, when it's not there, if you read a script or if you see a short film and it's not there, it's lacking. That's usually the first spot that you're like, oh, something about this that just doesn't feel right. Or there's something about yeah. this that feels kind of amateur. And it, it's yeah. just because the uh, artist at that point may not have learned how to open up the door, open up your heart to it. Yeah, no, that's a, I think that's the perfect way of saying it, open, opening up your heart. You yeah. know? We, yeah. we're, we're in a very guarded, unfortunately, I think we're in a very guarded society, but we're also in a very guarded um, industry, you yes. know, nobody ever really wants to show all of their cards because they don't want to be either taken advantage of, or they just, you know, in some cases and, and mostly our shared experience here, they don't want to keep their hopes up. Yeah. So you don't want to open up your heart, but that's like that. It, opening up your heart is the most important part next to y- using your logistics to, to get something <laughs> done. You know, yeah. uh, otherwise you're just making wallpaper, you know, it's, it's, something pretty to look at and that's all dude but let's say it again because i feel like that is the most important part of this episode is that it is about your heart it, it really is about learning and, and i think both of us have been weaving this this entire conversation it's about sort of getting past the gear getting past you know the shit that you were teaching yourself on on youtube getting past all of that stuff and going through the trials and tribulations of, of success and fear and leadership and, and, and being a piece of shit to somebody like going through all of those things and learning those things as a human being, and then allowing yourself to humbly open up your heart and go, this is what I did, but this is what I'm feeling. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a good lesson for life and a, and a good lesson for filmmaking. And it's tough. Believe me. I know it's tough. I'm a generation Xer, dude. I, I know it's fucking tough. We mm-hmm. grew up with like the silent heroes. We grew up with the John McClane's. We grew, we grew up with all these guys that, you know, would cry a little bit, but they would never really cry and never open their heart up. And so a lot of that stuff is, at least for me, was incredibly fucking foreign, especially early on in my career where I'm just like, no, no, no. And, and so I ended up really just sort of emulating the other things that I liked. And and then it just occurred to me, it's like, all right, so if I watch Die Hard, what is one of the best scenes in Die Hard? It's when he's in the bathroom and he's pulling glass out of his fucking feet. 
and he's yeah. talking to Carl over the thing. And yeah, yeah, one of my favorite scenes. Dude. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, you're right about the Generation X thing too. I mean, like even if somebody was opening up their heart, let's let's say you know Eddie Vedder or Chris Cornell or even you know um, yeah. Kurt Cobain. They're essentially screaming it. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, there, there's definitely, there's some, there's some, uh, reticence to, to doing it in a, in a more very peaceful way. And I think, I think that's, you know, in general, I, I think that's what we're doing as filmmakers is, is, you know, having, having these sort of more concise conversations about all of this, about everything we've talked about openly. Yeah. Like, and, and this is going to be in front of, you know, your wonderful audience and they're going to ingest it as much as they can or, or want to, but it's available to them. And, and I, I think it's just, that's, that's hugely instrumental to having a very like mentally healthy industry. Yeah. And a meant dude, a mentally healthy fucking life, you know, like, and you know, I've been dancing around, but that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I'm just sort of processing like the the level in which I'm allowing anger to fuel or, or frustration to fuel my art. And then like, if that's the case, am I bottling that flame up into, into, a, into a, an engine and locking that away in my valves? Right. Cause I don't want that shit to bleed out everywhere else. And I don't want that anger and frustration or depression or anything else to bleed into my personal relationships, to bleed into my friendships. I mean, literally to bleed into the food that I make for people, you know? So yeah. it's this weird balance. I think the, the acknowledgement is probably the healthiest thing though. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the ability to go, okay, I've got this thing going on with me. What can I do with it? Yeah. Instead of letting it fester or just wholly ignoring it, you know, you are tapping into it, even if it's just us talking about it, right? Yeah, yeah 100%, dude. 100%, man. It feels good. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Isn't, this, is, this has been a very nice therapy session. Look, I, I really appreciate you going through this, uh, this, this crazy sort of emotional ride on this episode. I think it's been really fucking good, dude. I think it's a great no, one. No, I... Dude, I you know what I would I'd do this as as often as you'd like. Maybe maybe we can have a part two when I'm done with the feature. I think we should. <laughs> I totally think we should, and I'm very excited about um, your new piece. Uh, Creepbox is right up my fucking alley. Um, I really love the the design that you've done for the box, and the sound design that you did in the uh, in the short is really fucking solid, dude. So, oh, thank you, thank you. That that means so much. Yeah, and, and I would give out shout outs, but uh, you know, I'll save it for the feature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I will have links to everything in the description, and then the proof of concept isn't available to the public until what July? Uh, July twelfth, I think that's when um, Alter will be will be uh, premiering it. Oh fuck yeah, that's great! I remember hearing about that. That's great, man. Um, yeah. well, in the meantime, they can check out embers and dust and, uh, we'll put everything in below. And then once that thing drops, we'll, uh, we'll be sure to uh, get that out to the Instagram and do all that stuff as well. So that's awesome. Well, Patrick, dude, it's, uh, been too long, my friend. When are we, when are you coming to hang out? Like, like, are, are, are we off the, are, are we off the, the, uh, the podcast now? Or, Hold on. Or we'll, we'll wrap it up. Yeah, Thanks yeah. for being on the show, yeah. dude. <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to divulge my personal information here, man. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Today's episode turned into another therapy session. Can you guys tell? Can you read between the lines that there's some shit going on? Hmm. Hmm. Excuse me as I take a sip of water. Can you read between the lines that, you know, there's some frustrating stuff going on behind the scenes? Yeah, there is. I'm not going to go into details, but yeah, it's tough. There's a lot of stuff that we're dealing with. There's a lot of stuff that we're sorting through. There's a lot of stuff that I'm personally sorting through. And uh, I'm trying to be smart about this and open my mind a little bit wider and learn from this. I actually walk away with some new skills from everything that we're experiencing, whether it's COVID, whether it's climate change, whether it's depression, whether it's rejection, all these things are powering us right now. And I, looking around uh, and reading stuff online, it seems like everybody is either depressed or dealing in a state of fear or constant like rejection. And let's get past it, right? Let's figure out how to get past it. And let's not ignore it. Let's not just sort of shove it down in there and go like, oh, fuck this, I'll keep going. No, no, let's, let's, let's go through it. Let's process it. I had a friend of mine say like, depression is something that you have to just sort of float on your back through like the tide. You just gotta let it go through you. Right, And so many of us right now are dealing with that. So if you're someone out there and if you're on your own, uh, and I don't have a sponsor for this, and I know it sounds like a sponsor read. Uh, it took forever for Gina to convince me into it, but uh, you may want to look into some therapy. And I know, I know there's a lot of you older listeners, there's a lot of Gen Xers that listen to the show and they're just like, I cannot believe that you're... Let's do no, no, no. It, it, it is very helpful. It has been very helpful just to have somebody talk to, to dump things on, just to have somebody to talk to, to help sort through all this stuff in your head. Someone to, to give you a bit of context to what you're feeling and to understand that you're not the only one feeling these things and that people have been through them before. And as a group, as a society, we've learned specific lessons about these things, which is fucking cool, man. It's really cool. And, by, you know, by no means am I personally in a position where you know I'm mega depressed or if I'm on medication or anything it's it's more just having the ability to sort through this stuff and more than anything else I think I learned that um, people around you that are really close to you start to get tired of hearing about the shit you're going through right they do especially if it's dealing with shit like in our business which is consistent right because if you're with really great friends or if you have a really good partner in your life they're living the same highs and lows you are they want your success they're going through all that and what makes it twice as frustrating for them is that they physically have absolutely no control they have no ability to help you with it they have no ability to uh enact change they can't say anything on calls they can't help pitch your ideas they just have to live with it with you and so if you're using that person as a dump truck, right? If you're using them as a place to like uh, let out all these frustrations, vent or do this, it just gets fucking old. And then they start to get a little calloused and then things start to change. And so, uh, yeah, that's why I looked into it. And it's it's been great. Not only is it helping me process everything I'm going through, but as a storyteller, I'm learning a lot of things. You know, I talk to my therapist about all sorts of things and people that she talks to and I'm like fascinating and that's interesting and that's cool. 
and it ends up being like this really interesting learning experience about humans. And I hope that's what you guys got out of today's episode. Um, we've been doing a lot of these lately. Been, been been getting pretty existential and pretty emotional on this show, and it's natural, man. It's 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 coming out naturally. Like I haven't, you know, like I said, I set out today to sit down and talk to him about, you know, making like a little horror short, and this is where it went. And I'm happy it did. I think it's a better show because of it. What do you guys think? Let me know. Send me a message on on Instagram. Let me know if you're tired of hearing our shit. Let me know if you like what's going on. Um, I have been getting suggestions from you for new guests. I keep telling you guys to do this. If you guys, if there's an actor, an artist, a chef, there's a race car driver, if there's someone that you want to hear me sit and have a conversation with, um, then send me uh, a message. I'm looking at my messages right now. I just reached out to a bunch of different actors that a fan of the show suggested. Um, and I'm just reading it right now. Uh, I just, I'll give you full disclosure here. I wrote to an actor and I said, uh, I just had a fan suggest you as a guest. I would love to have you on. And he writes back, that would be awesome, man. When you thinking? So as soon as I, I stop hitting record, I'm going to send him a booking link and we'll get him on the show. So there it is. Fuck yeah. Um, thanks for listening. And for those new listeners that are coming on and you look at it, we're, we're approaching episode 200. We have to do something for episode 200. I don't know what that is yet, but we have to do something. Um, but uh, you're looking at the amount of episodes that are there and you're like, fuck, where do I get started? Many of you go back to episode one. You should right? Because as I get into the 200s, I'm seriously considering putting the first 100 episodes behind a paywall. So now's the time. So now's the time to go listen to them. Um, but uh, if you want to just pick specific episodes based upon subject material, In Love With The Process is the place to be. Head on over to inlovewiththeprocess.com and uh, there you can choose uh, director episodes, chef's episodes, you can choose musician's episodes. You can choose strange episodes, like we talked to a, a firefighter, a firefighter battalion chief about fighting forest fires. We talked to mattress creators. We talked to uh, sleep study experts. All sorts of really important tools for you as a creative and you as a human being, really. Uh, you'll find all that stuff at inlovewiththeprocess.com. There it is, today's episode. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next Tuesday. Oh,